This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. It's the end of the summer blitz. It's over. And I was thinking there's three, three groups here. There's three groups. There's, first of all, as we've been reading in here, there's the group of the students. They're the group, that's the group of the students, and we're reading about what they have to say here, and and how do they feel tonight? Glad it's over. (laughs) Just glad it's over. But they were troopers, and they kept on, and they didn't give up. At the beginning, I, I gave them this little rhyme. So, so, keep on sowing. God will make it grow without your knowing. So they're the group that's glad that it's over. Then there's the small group, but there's that group of the five who were saved. Praise God. And how thankful they are for the dedication of those students that kept on sowing to reach them. Then there's the large group. And that's the burden of our heart. That's the group that can say the words of Jeremiah 8.20. Jeremiah 8.20, the summer is past and we are not saved. And that's why already we're starting to make plans for the next summer blitz and to continue the outreach as best we can through the call center and in every way that we can so that they will be able to no longer say the summer is past and we're not saved. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the dedication of these ones who have taken their time and their summer, Lord, and have worked so hard for your people to hear. Now, Lord, we pray for the seed that we don't know about, the seed of the Bibles, the seed of the tracts, the seed of the words that were left with them, the seed of the packets, Lord, that it would, Lord, not return to you void, but accomplish the purpose you sent it to. Open our hearts now, Lord, as we continue and look at a wonderful person, Lord, the centurion, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, now if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter eight, Matthew chapter eight, we're gonna be studying now about this very unusual centurion, the title of the message is, a centurion beseeching him, that's a pretty amazing statement, a centurion beseeching him, but we're gonna read a very important part that starts off in the beginning here, and you'll see why later. But here we are in, in Matthew chapter eight, verse one, Matthew eight, verse one. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth. To another, come, and he cometh. To my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. And as thou hast believed, be it done unto thee. And the servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Okay, now what we're doing now is we're continuing in this series of great Gentiles in the Bible. These were great Gentiles of faith. These line up with Rahab and with Ruth and with the three wise men and the Samaritan leopard and the Canaanite woman at the well and the Syrophoenician woman that we looked at already who was not offended when she was called a dog and instead took that opportunity to ask the Lord to heal her daughter and she was rewarded also with the title of great faith. Now we turn to another Gentile, another Gentile who is a centurion. And all of these Gentiles, all of these great Gentiles, they cross the line to come over to Jehovah Jesus, to the God of Israel. These really, these Gentiles, now I know that I'm talking to a group of Gentiles, I understand that, but you gotta believe that, you gotta understand that in the beginning it wasn't like that. And so these are the great Gentiles who were the four fruits of a great harvest, a great Gentile harvest. These were the Gentiles who were the forerunners of many Gentiles who ran to come to the king of the Jews. These were the first ripples before the great flood of the Gentiles that came to the Lord. And it wasn't as though God kept this a secret from the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, God prepared the Jewish people by telling the Jewish people that the Gentiles were going to come to them. So he told them that so that they could welcome him welcomed them, the Gentiles. And so in Jeremiah 16, 19, Jeremiah 16, 19, this is part of the preparation 
where God said to the Jewish people, where Jeremiah said, oh Lord, my strength, my fortress, my refuge in the day of, of affliction, the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth. The Gentiles, Gentiles, Gentiles is from the word goyim. Goyim is not a derogatory term. There's other derogatory terms, we don't need those tonight, but goy is not a derogatory term. Goy is, is a word nation, it means nation. Goyim means nations, Gentiles means nations. The nation Israel, then all the other nations, the Gentiles. He says, Jeremiah 16, 19, the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the world, from the ends of the earth, and shall say, surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, things wherein there's no profit. And then Zechariah also, keep in mind, these are the latter prophets, the latter prophets that were preparing the Jewish people for the great flood of the Gentiles that would come to faith. In Zechariah 8.22, Zechariah 8.22, he said, yea, many people, many people, and strong nations, strong goyim, strong Gentiles, strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Now, when you get to the last book in the Old Testament, it's a very significant book because this is the final word before a 400-year silence, and that's, of course, the book of Malachi. And what it says in Malachi chapter 1, verse 11, Malachi 1.11, it says, from the rising of the sun even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering, for in my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. Now that was the start, at that point there, that was the start of the 400 year silence until the Lord came, till the writing of the New Testament. But at the end of that 400 year silence, it was broken with a proclamation of the great flood of the Gentiles again that would come out of darkness into the light of the God of Israel. And you know who said that? Simeon. Simeon was the one. As he's holding the baby Jesus in his arms and he prophesies in Luke 2.28, Luke 2.28, when it says, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Of course, you know, he, Simeon, in the, he wasn't speaking Greek, he was speaking Hebrew. And so when he said, mine eyes have seen thy salvation, he was saying in Hebrew, mine eyes have seen thy Yeshua or Jesus, mine eyes have seen your Jesus, because he's holding baby Jesus there, which thou hast prepared before the face of the people. Then he gives this great title, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. He's holding the Lord, and he says, I can die now because I've seen your salvation. And then he says, you prepared him to be a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon gives this fabulous title to the Lord of a light to lighten the Gentiles. Well, here is this centurion, one of the first to come to the Lord Jesus as the light to lighten the Gentiles. Now, the Lord was not seeking Gentiles. He was not seeking Gentiles, but these Gentiles sought the Lord. 
And that's what it says in Isaiah 65.1. Isaiah 65.1 is so important because God's speaking there and he says, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me, unto a nation that was not called by my name. See, when he says this, I am sought of them that ask not for me, it means that the Gentiles had no history of seeking Jehovah Jesus. They never asked for him in the past. When it says, I am found of them that sought me not, it means that the Gentiles never in the past had sought Jehovah Jesus But when Jehovah Jesus sees the Gentiles asking for him and seeking for him, he says, behold me, behold me. He doesn't run away. He doesn't run away. He says, behold me, behold me. Like, here I am, here I am. He wanted to be found by them, and they did find him. And that's what gives so much meaning when we look here in Matthew 8, 5, where it says, Jesus was entered into Capernaum, and there came to him a centurion, Capernaum, Capernaum was a Jewish city, and the Lord always stayed in the Jewish cities, except when he had to cross over the Gentile lands, Gentile cities, to get to another Jewish city. That's what happened in John chapter four. But whether he was crossing over Gentile cities or whether he was in Jewish cities, these great Gentiles, they found the Lord. And so that's what makes verse five so surprising for us when it talks about a Jewish city of Capernaum and then a centurion. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, verse five, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Now, we read a centurion, we know a centurion. He's a Roman captain. He's a captain of a 100 Roman soldiers. They're very well trained. They're tattooed. They're totally dedicated for their lives. They will die for for the emperor, for Caesar. And the Jews were in bondage to the Romans, so the centurions was not a pleasant sight. I don't wanna say they were like Gestapos, but not so far off. And this is not a pleasant thing. Now, normally, a centurion despised the Jews. And you see that the level of their despisement there. But in Pilate, the Roman governor, he despised the Jews, and that's why he said to the Lord, in John 18.35, John 18.35, Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me, and thou and what hast thou done? See, when he said, am I a Jew? It was like, am I a dog? You know, the Romans despised the Jews. Normally, the Jews hated the centurions, so the compliment was mutual, both sides. That normally the Jews hated the centurions, and so normally, Normally, they would say, verse five, the centurion seeking the Lord, normally you'd say, can any good thing come out of a Roman centurion? You know, and with that question, Matthew would say, as John 1, he would say, come and see, come and see. And so that's what we're doing. This centurion was not normal. And this centurion was not normal, meaning this centurion was different because we see this centurion beseeching the Lord. In verse five, he's begging the Lord. He's begging him. Why would a powerful centurion be begging the Lord Jesus, who for all intents and purposes was homeless? Because this centurion knew who the Lord Jesus Christ was. He knew that's what made him so different. He was different because he knew this is God. 
He knew that the Lord Jesus Christ was God, and that's why he kept calling him Lord. Normally, servants are, were treated as a piece of property that could be just left to die if they got sick and replaced with another one, like the Amalekite that David ran across in 1 Samuel 30, verse 13. 1 Samuel 30, verse 13, it says, David said unto him, to whom belongest thou? See, a property, piece of property. To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. Sorry, he's an Egyptian, I got it wrong, but anyway. Servant to an Amalekite. My master left me because three days ago I fell sick. His master left him because he fell sick. That's normal for a master to do with a servant. If he gets sick, leave him, let him die, and get another one. But this centurion was different because he didn't leave his servant to die. This centurion loved his servant, and he calls him my servant. And you can feel the affection in there as this centurion is really going out on a limb to see him get healed. This centurion did, comes to the Lord now, and he does what David did in Psalm 142.2, Psalm 142.2, where David said, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. That's what this centurion is doing. He's pouring out his complaint. My servant is sick, grievously tormented, sick of the palsy. So this centurion was different because he called his servant my servant lieth home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. It shows how much he loved him. It shows that this centurion was willing to risk his reputation to cross over the line, calling a Jewish man Lord. In the Romans, there was only one Lord. That was Caesar. And there are several instances in the Bible where parents came to the Lord so that the Lord could heal their children, like the one we studied before, the Syrophoenician woman. And she was coming to the Lord so that the Lord would heal her daughter. But this centurion was different because he came to the Lord to heal his servant. And when this centurion said in verse nine there, in verse nine, I say to this man, go, and he goeth to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. You know why they, you know why they did that? Of course, they had to do it. But you get the feeling here. They did that because they knew his servants. They knew he cared for them. He really genuinely cared for them. And he told the Lord in verse six that his servant was grievously tormented and that meant that he was having these terrible seizures and he felt this empathy for him. These were like grand mal seizures that great joint pain, great muscle pain. You know, I had a friend, he's with the Lord now, Phil Caldwell, he was a missionary to the Jewish people in London, and Phil had this epilepsy with these grand mal seizures, and, and I remember telling him one time, I said, Phil, you know, the company we work with, they developed this drug called Felbitol, and it can keep people out of seizures, but out of 10,000 people, 10 got aplastic anemia, two have died. He said, I'll take it, I'll take it. He said, you know, because he said it was so terrible, they'd put the towel in the mouth so he wouldn't bite off his tongue, and afterward, for days, he was just so sore because of the intense muscle constriction that, that really affected his joints and his muscles. And this unpredictability, Phil would never know when it would come. This, he didn't know when it was going to come. And this tremendous seizure pain is what the centurion called grievously tormented, grievously tormented. 
Now, when the Lord saw that centurion described this terrible state of the servant, the Lord immediately responds in verse seven, and Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. There's an immediacy in the response. Actually, it says I will come, but the Greek really is saying, I am coming. I am on my way. I'm on my way right now. I'm coming, and I'm gonna heal him. Now, what that shows us, again, about the Lord from Psalm 22, 24, which is the chapter on his own crucifixion, and he says in Psalm 22, 24, that God has not despised the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. So when the Lord heard of the afflicted servant here, the Lord didn't hide his face and pretend like he didn't hear it. He dropped everything, and he started right off to come to his relief. He didn't despise the man because he was a Gentile. He heard this Gentile man, and he immediately started on his way just like we just sung. He saw me plunged in deep distress and flew to my relief. That's what was happening. Now, can you imagine the Lord now when he hears about this is my servant is sick. He hears from the, hears from the centurion. My servant is sick. How the Lord must have thought when he hears the word servant. Servant, servant, he must have thought, that's what I am. I'm a servant, because the Lord is described in Philippians 2.5. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So the Lord hears, a servant is sick? I'm a servant. I will, I'm going to heal the servant. Now, that the Lord should come to the centurion's house, it made sense, made sense because uh, Jehovah Jesus, healing is under his wings, it says in Psalm 91.4, Psalm 91.4, he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. And that's what Boaz told Ruth in Ruth 2.12 when Boaz said to Ruth, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. So it's great. The Lord's on his way. He's gonna go heal the servant. And everyone believed that, boy, if the Lord comes to where the sick is, then the Lord's gonna heal the sick. That's great that the Lord is already on his way to the centurion's house. But this centurion's different because he stops the Lord from going to his house with a protest. It's a protest in verse eight when he says the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. So the centurion actually stops the Lord from coming to his house when he says, I'm not worthy. He's different. The centurion is different because he says, I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. When he looks at the Lord, when the centurion looks at the Lord, he sees, holiness, he sees deity, and then he looks at himself and he sees sinfulness. The centurion, when he does that, he looks at the Lord, he sees holiness, he sees God, and he looks at himself and he sees sinfulness. He's just like Job, just like Job in Job 42.5. Job 42.5, where Job says to God, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. 
He sees the Lord and he abhorbs himself. Abraham, same with Abraham in Genesis 18.27, Genesis 18.27. Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. He sees the Lord and he sees himself as dust and ashes. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.